You are listening to Riverhouse Church's Sermon of the Week. We hope this talk equips and inspires you. Very much aware of my imperfections uh, this week as I come and stand on this stage. And uh, I have partnered with all types of stress and anxiety. Uh, I hear weddings do that to you. Uh, But I have done that this week. I have found uh, temper in me throughout this week. I have said things multiple times this week that I regret. I have been having a terrible day, and I feel like a jar of clay. And at the same time, uh, I believe God's presence is going to minister in a powerful way tonight because it's about God's grace and his glory flowing through the fractures and the flaws and the weaknesses of us as we humble ourselves before God. And so... um, This isn't a show. Jesus is who he says he is, and and he's faithful, and I'm humbled before him tonight, honestly. So Jesus, I ask that you be strong tonight in my weakness, that you be strong tonight in our weakness, and that your glory will come and fill us again. Lord, as we leak, as I leak, After you fill me, I ask that you'd fill and fill and fill and fill. We need you. I need you, and we just depend upon you, upon your voice, upon your spirit, upon your grace tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, I'm going to continue in this series, uh, Dynamic Paradox, and uh, we're going to go into what is our fourth paradox now. Uh, which is word and spirit. Uh, Before I do, I I just want to again, you know, I I opened this series talking about DNA and how using DNA is a picture of, uh, you know, what what God uses as the building block of the human, that we are going through the DNA of our church. And uh, we are, uh, you know, I'm communicating these paradoxes, these, these dynamic paradoxes that have tension between two principles to disciple us into relationship, but really embody the aspect of God's nature that he's sowing into Riverhouse Church. Uh, but I, I said this the first week, and I just felt the Lord prompt me to reemphasize it, is that the grace of, of this culture, it's not just received on Sundays. Uh, it's received in, in the full expression of Riverhouse Church. And again, kind of the rhythm that we're calling people to, and we feel Jesus discipling us into as a community, uh, it's 20 hours uh, that he's asking for, and that's uh, four services a, a month, you know, in most months, two revival groups, which meet every other week, and, and a corporate prayer meeting once a week. And that's 4% of your waking hours that we believe Jesus is asking for. And so if you want to embody this DNA, it's not just hearing a message. It's living it out and posturing yourself to receive from the, the environments that Jesus is creating in this church. So uh, we are not creating a church asking Jesus to bless it. We're watching Jesus create a church and trying to partner with him for what he's doing. And this is uh, kind of the rhythm that he has developed. And so as disciples, submitted followers of the leader, uh, that's what he is asking. And so I just want to again emphasize uh, that time is important and Jesus is looking for how you steward your time. And uh, there is there's not very many places uh, better than his church, his bride, his, the Christian community to invest it in. So just want to, again, kind of prompt you, maybe prick you, uh, and, uh, and remind you that grace is received in the full expression of the church. So uh, I'm going to have you stand. I'm going to read a few scriptures from the book of Acts, and then we'll jump into this paradox. Uh, I'm going to read a couple verses out of Acts 2. And then uh, uh, out of Acts 6. So uh, just follow me and I'll give you references if you don't have your scripture in front of you. Uh, verse, chapter 2, verse 1. Uh, when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as a fire distributing themselves, and they rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. I'm going to jump to verse 42. 
says they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and the breaking of bread and of prayer. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And I'm gonna jump to chapter six, verse one. Now at this time, while the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint arose on the part of the Hellenistic Jews against the native Hebrews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily serving of food. So the 12 summoned the congregation of the disciples and said, it's not desirable for us to neglect the word of God in order to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, select from you seven men of good reputation, full of the spirit and of wisdom, who we may put in charge of this task. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word of God. That is the word of the Lord. Praise be to God. So I want to talk about the tension uh, between word and spirit, and uh, it's been beautiful even as been crafting this series to see how God, uh, you know, the, 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 these paradoxes, these tensions, they very much build and, and, and flow into each other, uh, and it's just, it's like this DNA strand that is very much the embodiment of our culture, and uh, this, I think they are all pivotal uh, all five of them, and this one is uh, no difference. And so between word and spirit, there's a lot of mystery, and there's also a lot of tension. Uh, there's a reason that, you know, there's a kind of language that I've heard expressed around the silent divorce in the church between word and spirit. And the reason is because there's a lot of mystery, and mystery, when you try to understand it with your head, which we've already talked about, uh, and a few weeks ago, with, between mystery and intimacy, uh, you start trying to make divisions and you fall yourself on one side of this mystery because it is not understandable. It's something you have to humble yourself underneath and behold, but you cannot grasp yourself. And so word and spirit is a mystery, and there's a lot of tension between it. And so we have in the, the body of Christ abroad uh, this, this division between word and spirit, and it's a silent divorce. But the thing that's very uh, interesting about this divorce is that it's really the only divorce in recorded history that the children chose, not the parents. And so uh, there is no division in heaven there is no competition between the word of God and the spirit of God. They are quite at ease with one another. They are in a loving marriage that it will last for all eternity. Jesus is the word made flesh and the spirit, he's the spirit of Jesus who reveals the things of his heart. So there's no competition. There's no divorce in heaven. It's actually a divorce that's been chosen amongst, uh, the, by, by the children of God. And I believe it brings God deep, deep pain. Uh, to see this competition uh, instead of uh, Christian community actually embodying the tension of this paradox. And so uh, I don't pretend by any means to uh, have full grasp on the nature of this mystery, but I do believe that God wants to disciple us tonight into a posture of heart that will make it capable and possible for us to uh, carry the tension of this mystery with us always. And I'm going to say it throughout this message, but the truth is that we need each other, and we need each other desperately. And uh, last week's message very much is a foundation for this week's message. It is dependence and reliance and humility uh, that this this power and dependence, that tension produces true humility that actually allows us to steward attention like this well. So when I speak of the word, I'm, I'm speaking of, of the scripture, of the word of God, uh, of doctrine, theology, study. Uh, yes, study. <laughs> I said study. You're not laughing. That's because you're convicted. How many of you have been studying the word? <laughs> you know, the, the, there's something beautiful about really getting into this and, and understanding the nuances of it and the culture of it and the context of it and, and the application of it and the different even translations of it. There's, it's a rich, 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 rich resource that we can continually uh, uh, derive and, and find new truth and information from. Uh, when I speak of the spirit, I'm talking to the, the charismata, uh, the spiritual giftings, uh, the, the pro prophetic manifestations of the voice of God, uh, the manifestations of the Spirit 
Uh, we didn't keep reading in Acts, you know, but they looked like they were drunk. There was an emotional override as the spirit activity swept in over the souls of, the, of those in the upper room. I'm speaking of power and demonstration of the kingdom and healing and miracles and you know, these amazing manifestations of God uh, that come through the third member of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. Uh, you know, when we speak of the word, we often think of stability, uh, that's something that's common, it's stable, it has not changed, you know, and uh, when we're speaking of the spirit, or thinking and suddenly, uh, like a rushing wind, you know, so there, there's tension between these two things, and yet, they're the two uh, means of revelation uh, that the church has turned to throughout the centuries. Uh, just, again, to build some scriptural uh, understanding, of both of them, some scriptural understanding for the scriptures, uh, I'm just going to read a few here for the word. Uh, Colossians 3.16, it says, Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. Uh, 1 Timothy 4.13, Do not forsake the public reading of Scripture. Uh, I've been practicing this. We've been doing it as a staff as well. It's very beautiful to read the Scripture together. It's something very sacred. Uh, 2 Timothy 4.2, uh, Paul tells him too, uh, preach the word of God and be prepared with it in every season. Uh, Acts 6, 1 through 4, what we read, they, they studied the word. They actually had to create deacons so that they could study the word of God and devote themselves to the ministry of the word. Um, and, and oftentimes scholars think that they were literally just preaching the word to the people, making it known to them. Uh, Jesus, of course, was the word made flesh, John 1, 14. Uh, he told Jeremiah in one of his visions in Jeremiah 13 that he was to eat the scroll. I think that's such a beautiful picture of studying the scripture. It's the bread of life. Uh, and lastly, uh, our heritage is from the Jewish faith, which had this Torah spirituality. Everything, the law was so central to it. They would, they would read of the scroll. They were the people of the book, the people of the law. And Jesus comes, and what does he do when he goes on his big day? You know, he says, hand me the scroll. And he reads the scroll, and he takes it to Isaiah 61, and he reads it, right? So there are people of the book, and we have inherited, right? We have a Judeo-Christian heritage, a Judeo-Christian faith uh, that is in line, where we are also a people of the book. Does it make sense? You're with me? Why is it so sad? It's joking. All right, 1 Thessalonians 5.20 says, Do not despise prophetic utterance. This is spirit. Uh, we see all throughout Old Testament and New Testament spirituality, we see dreams, visions, prophetic utterances, angels coming, you know, divine, holy manifestations. Like We see all kinds of this. I don't even have to give you scripture references. If you've read the Bible, you know what I'm talking about. Amen? Right? Manifestations. Some people say, you know, there's no scriptural evidence for manifestations. That's not true. Right? The reason... Right? People often think that in the upper room in the day of Pentecost that, the re that people were speaking in tongues and that's why they thought they were drunk, right? But what they were hearing them, they were speaking in other people's languages, right? Like if Italians were there, they were hearing Italian, right? If French people were there, they were hearing in French, right? Like someone out here, we've done this before, but if, I'm sure someone in here, you speak a different language. You could stand up and you could scream in French as long as you want. I would not think you were drunk. You see what I'm saying? The reason they thought they were drunk is they looked like they were drunk. Okay? All right? Uh, you know, First uh, Kings 8, 10, and 11, when the glory filled the temple, it says the priest fell on their faces because they were unable to perform their ministry. That calls like slain in the spirit. You say, that's not biblical. No, it is biblical. It's right there. Read it. First Kings 8, chapter 10. Right? Saul... Remember when Saul, he's like evil and he's chasing David down and when he came into the company of Samuel and the prophets, he like started stripping himself naked. I'm praying that never happens in any church ever. But, uh, you know, that sounds like a manifestation, right? Like an override where the spirit comes over in such a way that you do things you wouldn't normally do. All right, so it's in there. 1 Corinthians 12 obviously goes through all the gifts of the spirit. Uh, you know, the... We are continuationists here, meaning we believe the gifts have continued. 
says that they will continue until the building up of the body of Christ and it's first is the full maturity and the full expression of Jesus. Last time I checked, we're not there, so these gifts are still going. And the funny thing is cessational doctrine is that the gifts of leadership and serving and mercy, none of those gifts apparently have gone away. It's just the gifts that involve the power of the Spirit. So I don't understand it. It's not, there's no scriptural grounds. A really good book, if you wanna read, is called Surprised by the Power of Spirit by a man named Jack Deere. He breaks it down better than I did. But the truth is, that's not the case. Uh, we see in Acts 13, the, Holy, the church in Antioch's praying, and the Holy Spirit says, set apart for me Saul and Barnabas. We see the prophet Agabus in the book of Acts. He comes to Saul and says, thus said the Holy Spirit. He puts a belt on him and gives him a prophetic word, right? So prophecy is all throughout the scriptures. Old Testament, New Testament, the movement of the Spirit. Jesus himself says those who are led by Spirit are like those led by the wind. You don't know where they're coming, you don't know where they're going, right? So we have a lot of scriptures here about like the Spirit moving and these and suddenly powerful manifestations and we have a lot of scripture about we needing to be in the Word of God and a people rooted in the Word, amen? Okay, let's keep going. So there are a lot of perils of losing tension. A lot of perils, say ooh, Ooh, there's a lot of perils of losing tension, right? If you lose tension and you have the word without the spirit, you're gonna dry up. Why? Why are you gonna dry up? Because the Holy Spirit inspired the scriptures, right? Other words, that's saying he wrote them, right? Yes, he wrote them through human beings, but we say they were inspired. That's a fancy way of saying he wrote them. And he inspired the scriptures in such a way that to understand them, you need his help. Isn't that kind of cool? He's like, I'm gonna write this, but you can't take this out of, you need, you need me. You can't read this book out of relationship with me because it will dry up. The, the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. Right, Paul's speaking in that context, I wanna be fair to it, he's speaking to old covenant law, but I believe the principle applies and it's the same with the new covenant. The letter kills, we can form a law, right? God gave the Old Testament to Israel and it had grace, it was full of life. Moses' face was glowing when he came down the mountain, right? It wasn't like it was some judgmental legalistic thing that God was giving. They made it into a religion that sucked the life out of them because they took the law, but they put away from, the, they, they severed themselves out of relationship with God. Right, The letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. We need the Spirit to understand the book he wrote. The Scriptures need to be read out of relationship. It is an ongoing dialogue between the author and us. We're learning to listen. It's a living and active word. What makes this word living and active is the Spirit of God in the midst of the word. We, the word without the Spirit makes no sense. So if we embrace the word, but then we deny the activity of the Spirit, we quench and grieve the Holy Spirit, and we are relegating ourselves to a spirituality that's destined to dry up. Right? If we have the Spirit without the word, we blow up. Say, yeah, that's right. Look at your neighbor and say, yeah, that's right. Right? We blow up. With spirit without the word, we blow up. Why? Because the realm of spirit revelation and spirit manifestation is subjective and therefore very vulnerable to manipulation. Very vulnerable. Therefore, the Holy Spirit himself wrote an interpretive guide that you would need to read and submit yourself to in order to understand the spirit activity. Whoa! It's like you're a genius! Right? It's highly subjective, and he knows, right? Power is to be submitted to authority. That is the safety, right? This is last week's message, right? So he gave us the scripture to understand the spirit, to understand his ways, to find grounding for it, right? And this is the truth, right? Power has to be under submission. And so the spirit is for the common good, right? The, the manifestation, the, the common word around the spirit and the charismatic is that it's for the edification of the body, so it's for the common good, right? The communal good. Every spirit manifestation should result in the common good, the building up and the edifying of the church, right? Therefore, God gave us the Bible, the common scripture, right? This is revelation that is common to all of us, 
right? The words are the same, maybe a little bit different, especially if you have the Passion Translation. Ever tried, don't, if you ever read scripture together, don't like have one person with the Passion Translation, because you'll be like, I don't even know what scripture you're reading right now. I was on verse 12, where are you, right? Anyways, right? So the Bible can turn the subjective into the communal, right? The Bible turns the subjective into the communal because it finds common language and common grounding for a subjective experience that's happening to me through relationship with the Holy Spirit, right? So I actually need the scripture for my experience or my manifestation or the grace on my life through the Holy Spirit to then get translated, grounded in the word of God and be for the common good of the community, right? It's, it's to be, it's, it, it's where we're all underneath. We're all, we all have this in common. You don't understand what a picture means to me. But if I can ground that in the scripture, now you have access to it. Right? So it's not about, it's not me spirituality. It's not about me and God. We're close. It is about the good of the church for the greater good. It's about agape. Everything God does to me, he wants to do through me. He wants, he wants my experience to be for the benefit of the church. He wants, but the scriptures are what turn my, the subjective into the communal. If we will ground ourselves in the scripture, right? So if we have the, the spirit and we embrace the activity of the spirit and the charismata, but we reject the word he gave us to be our interpretive guide and to submit it to, we're gonna blow up because we are so vulnerable to manipulation. We actually need community around us. Here's our key. Isn't that cool? So I want to make this practical because like nobody like wakes up and is like, hey, it's Tuesday. I think I'm going to lose tension with the word today. <laughs> Feels like one of those days. You know, no, that doesn't happen. Right. So, so what is this actually looking like? OK, so the spirit without the word. How do I drift to a lifestyle where I embrace the activity of the spirit, but I don't embrace the, the, the activity of the word? Well, you can take this one down to bank. It starts by not reading scripture. <laughs> I know that's profound. I spent a lot of hours in meditation for that one. If you don't read scripture, you won't be grounded in it. And podcasts won't help you. You need to know the scripture. You need to learn to listen to the scripture. Learn to become in love with the scripture. I know stories of a man. I've only touched this type of place a few times in his life where he would... He would get on his knees and he would weep and he would kiss the scriptures affectionately because he was so grateful and in love with the word of God. It is the living, breathing word of God that he has given to speak to our hearts, to ground us, right? Uh, mindsets that get us into spirit without the word. We, and when we start forsaking process and we seek the instantaneous instead, Microwave. Sounds like our culture. Yeah, give me that quick thing. Give me that hit of that prophetic word, right? Which is fine. I love the instantaneous, but it should be in the midst of a grounded process, right? Study isn't instantaneous. You know, it's not like, wow, I studied for three minutes and bang! <laughs> All right, so we need to join the Bereans and follow their example. And we need to do that in all prophetic utterance, in all spirit activity in our lives. We should be searching the scriptures to say, where is that? What is this? Not in a skeptical way, but in an inquisitive way, in a curious way. All right, no study in our spirituality. No diversification in your spiritual diet. You should be reading from people that maybe have different views than you. Maybe you should be reading books, not just every single thing is about the same stream that you're in. Maybe you should read from other streams because it's a manifold Jesus, right? That's how we get to those types of places. All right, how, what are practicals of losing tension? How we get the word without the spirit? Uh, you know, uh, quenching or grieving the spirit through judgment or slander. You know, little comments that we can make about people. Like, the Holy Spirit doesn't like that. It's actually one of the, you know, Jesus says that harsh thing of like, he's like almost protective of the spirit's activity and he, he gets offended. It's like, no, you can, you, can, you can say all you want about me. If you say it about the Holy Spirit, he like gets like big brother out. 
you know, because they're saying he's got a demon. Jesus is like, no, I don't care. You can, you can spit on me, but like, you're not gonna, don't make fun of my friend. Don't say bad things about him. He's holy. He is not, he is not unclean. Look at what he's doing, right? And so judgment, that's a, that's a quick way. It grieves, it creates disconnection, and he's so kind. It's not like Holy Spirit's like sensitive, like, oh. I know he's very loving, but if we build a habit of being critical around the way he decides to move, like who are we to say what the Holy Spirit can and can't do? Right, failure to, to listen uh, to the scriptures. And what I mean by that, listening is a power dynamic. When you listen to someone, you actually aren't in control. You give power away and you become in a passive position. Because you're, you know how people talk your ear off sometimes, you're like upset. It's like, dude, I gave you my ear and you just <laughs> kept taking it and chewing it and then like eating it. And now I like can't, I'm gonna shrivel right here, right? But you're still listening because you, you, they have the microphone, right? We need to learn to listen to the scriptures, meaning that I'm not coming with my agenda of what I'm coming and doing and seeing and scheming. It's like I'm actually submitting myself to the word. I'm not telling the word what it should be. I'm letting the word read me. I'm letting the word speak to me, right? So it's a posture of the heart, right? And again, if we can also, on the flip side, exalt process and almost get a distaste for the instantaneous because in exalting process, we're putting an overemphasis on my self-efforts. So I kind of look down upon the end suddenly because it's like, oh, whatever, that's just an emotional experience. I've been, I've been this and this and this and disciplined, you know, so you can exalt process, get ego around the spirituality and, you know, my knowledge of the word and all of these things. And it actually causes us to uh, lose tension and we become all about that and not recognize, hey, I'm still dependent for an end suddenly. Like, I can't do it myself. Are you kidding me? All right. So uh, I'm just trying to get your, your thoughts going here. Right. This is messages on paradox. I'm not trying to give you understanding. I'm trying to give you questions trying to provoke you here, right? So the key to this, what we want, what we're after is an incarnational spirituality. We, we want a, a spirit word, uh, you know, lifestyle where we are very much people of the word and we're also so in the deep in the activity of the spirit. I want the power, I want the charismatic flowing, I want prophetic utterance, I want and suddenlies, I want the wind of the spirit, I want doors opening that no man can shut. I want the Holy Spirit in my life, amen? Like, I love the Holy Spirit. I love how he moves. I, I mean, these prophetic words are like the most amazing thing. When he heals, when he delivers, when he saves, when he sweeps in a room, when he causes tears, when he does all his work, I literally love it. I long for it. I yearn for it. The greatest joy as a preacher isn't when I'm like, man, that was an awesome word I just delivered. It's when God himself shows up, the Spirit of God, and that holy dove lands on his people, and they experience the goodness of God. I love the Holy Spirit, right? And I love the Word of God. I spent a lot of hours in the Scriptures, and I love the Scriptures. They are like, they're like my best friends sometimes. There are these, it's like this rhythm. It's the stability of my life. There are Scriptures that have taken me through seasons and have built my life upon and have been the, this foundation that I can stand upon, and I can always come to it, and it's always beckoning me, and He always meets me there. And you know, there's these times where I'm just so, so in the depths, and it's like, I don't even know what this means, but my spirit, it's like I'm eating right now. It's like nourishment. I love the word of God. We need to be a people that are of word and spirit. We need to know the scriptures. We need to know how it works together and how the Old Testament goes to the New Testament and how God was writing this intentionally crafted book throughout generations that we're becoming a part of. We sang it tonight. Take me up into your story. All my life for your glory. How do we become a part of his story when we don't know what it is? You should know the book, right? And incarnational spirituality is dynamic because we constantly get thrown into the deep of the word and the spirit, right? When I'm experiencing the activity of the spirit, it awakens a holy curiosity that I can only find the answers to in the word of God, right? And when I'm in the word of God, it's awakening a hunger in me to go more deeply and know the activity of the Holy Spirit because it's what he's doing the entire book, and it's drawing me into a lifestyle of following the scriptures, 
right? So it should be, we should be constantly tossed between the two, tossed between the two. And there are different seasons of our lives and spirituality where there's times God's like, I need you in the scripture. And then there's times when he's moving, right? But it's dynamic. It's always moving. It's not like this principle. It's paradox. It's constantly, where are you speaking? Where is my means of revelation? Is it from the spirit? Is it from the word? Is it both? Are they coming together? It should always be an appetite. Right, and the key, the key to this, and this is, this is where I, I think this is gonna land deeply with some of you. The key to all of this is actually, it's not focusing on the word or focusing on the spirit. The key is Jesus. The key is submitting yourself to Jesus Christ. Right, he stands above both the word and the spirit. And the word, he is the word made flesh. And the Holy Spirit is the spirit of Jesus, who Jesus says, I have many more things to say to you, and so I'm gonna send to you another helper, and he's gonna disclose to you my heart. So the spirit stands to make Jesus known, and the word, is the he is the word. So it's not about the word or the spirit, it's about Jesus and being submitted and becoming a disciple of Jesus. I wanna be like Jesus, the man who was the word and who walked in the fullness of the spirit. It's not about becoming a person of the word or a person of the spirit, it's about becoming like Jesus. So check this. Jesus sends the spirit to us. And the spirit gave us the scriptures and the Spirit gave us the charismata. All right, so both of the means of revelation I'm talking tonight, they come from the Spirit. All right, so we must view the Spirit in light of submission to Jesus. If we are under the authority, the authority of Jesus, when his Spirit moves in us, on us, or through us, we will come under the activity of the Spirit and his discipleship through either the charismata or through the Word of God. If we are under the authority of Jesus, we will then submit ourselves to how the Spirit chooses to disciple us and chooses to speak to us. Right? So, so if we are not submitted to Jesus, but we're operating out of independence, which is this last week's message, right? So if I'm still not submitted to Jesus, right, the Spirit, right? And so we were relegated to interpret the activity of the Spirit through self. That's what that means. If I have not become submitted, if I'm not sanctified, if I'm still operating out of an independent paradigm, which means independence is, is pride. Independence is what Adam did in the garden. Independence tells God, I will be my own God. I actually think I know better than you. That is what independence says. Right? And, and so listen to last week's message. Part of submission to Christ is submitting to community, is submitting to the body of Christ. Is like That's what it means to be a disciple, and it's all throughout the scriptures. Independence is pride, and it's from the pit of hell, and nothing will sever you. He, he, he gives grace to the humble, but he will resist the proud, because pride says, I will be my own God. I will make my own decisions. And this is the thing that's tricky with independence, right, is that there's layers of our life. There's parts of our life that as we surrender here, 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 but I still have this here, right? It's still, it's independence, but here I will still be my own God, right? There's a lot of Christians that, that he's the Lord of, you know, certain things, but he's certainly not yet Lord of their finances. And how do you know? You know. You don't listen to him, right? He's, he's the Lord of, you know, he's not yet the Lord of your time. How do you know? Because you're not seeking him first and you have no prayer life, right? He's not the Lord of your family. He's not like, the, you, how do you know? Because your actions demonstrate if Jesus is Lord of your life, not your words, not your songs on Sunday. It's your time. It's how you spend your time. That shows Jesus if he's Lord or not, right? So if, if, I'm, not, if I'm living in a place where I have not yet met Jesus Lord and the activity of the Spirit comes, Right? And it comes in a way, I will, I, will, I will view that through the self. And this is where, it, there's the implications here. This will mean that we will inevitably end up on one of the two sides of the silent divorce. If we embrace the charismata, and this again is in an independent paradigm, 
If we embrace the charismata of the spirit, it will be for means of self-gain. This is what they did to Jesus. They tried to take him by force to make him king. Why? Because they saw, oh, this guy, right? It was for themselves. This, all the disciples, all the apostles, Peter, they followed Jesus for self-gain. How do you know? Hey, when I get there, can I be the one at your right hand? Can I be at your left hand? Peter at the Last Supper, he was, most people think that he was sitting at the seat of the servant that should have been the one washing all the feet. So it's really awkward when Jesus takes Peter's position because Peter was sitting there going, no, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I'm one of the three. Someone else has got to do it, not me, right? There was, there was, there was, he still had self-gain. They, they were in it for them. The dark night of the soul when Jesus went to the, right, there, that was when they, that, that something changed and they knew that they loved the lamb, right? So God has to disciple this independence out of us, right? We will, we will accept the activity of the spirit. If I'm not submitted yet to Jesus, the spirit moves in power. I will accept that for means of my self-gain If that's the case, we will celebrate and exalt the spirit activity, but we'll resist submitting to scripture because that would root out the independence. Embracing the spirit without the word reveals our heart is full of more self-love than it is love for Jesus. Conversely, out of my, if out of my independence I reject the activity of the Spirit because I don't like it, I will turn to the Word to prove it wrong. I'll form a theological fortress of self-protection and justification. Remember, the, the Pharisees would watch the charismata move through Jesus in a way that violated their theological paradigm they would then go search the scriptures to find grounds to crucify him. I will celebrate and exalt the power and purity of the scripture, but resist to submitting to the lordship of the spirit because that would destroy all independence. This again reveals a mixture of self-love in the heart. So what I'm advocating that last week's message on a heart of humility, true dependence upon Jesus, is actually what creates a heart posture. The eradication of independence is the only way that we'll be able, it's submission to Jesus. Submitting to Jesus is the only way that we can be a people of the word and the spirit. Because if we're submitted to Jesus, we'll know as the activity of spirits rolling in my life, the only way that it's be ground, like he's, he needs to ungrant, right? It's like, that's what, I'm becoming like Jesus. It's not for me. Becoming like Jesus. All right, both of what I described would be idolatrous, idolatry in the heart of a, of a, of a Christian. Right, if we can learn to love the word and the spirit, that demonstrates that Jesus is Lord because we've submitted ourselves and we're being discipled to become like him. All right, so this silent divorce, the only divorce where children create and choose it. And uh, Ephesians 5.21. I'll just start at 5.18, because I like this verse. And do not get drunk with wine, for that's dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to God, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father, and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. And be subject to one another, submitted to one another in the fear of Christ. That's heavy. We need each other. 
we, we all have natural inclinations in our own personality that some of us, some of us are more moderate, but a lot of people, you're a word person. Some of you, you're a spirit person. You know what I'm talking about? Right, if you dance and worship like this, and you're a spirit person. <laughs> you know, if you're like really waving and flowing, you're a spirit person. Right, you can typically tell just in worship. Usually word people worship a little more. It's kind of like here. <laughs> and then like when Jordan's really going for it up here, it'll be like, I'm not kidding you guys, like I'm a, I'm a word person. First time I felt like God told me to raise my hand in worship, I about peed my pants. <laughs> I was like, whoa, this is really out there, I'm becoming weird. <laughs> God's done a, a big work in me, right? If you're a spirit person, part of submission to Jesus is to submit to word people in your life. You need them, you need them. Like, you so badly need them. And if you're a word person, part of submission to Jesus is to submit yourself to spirit people in your life. You need them. If I didn't have my mother, <laughs> I'd be very, very rigid and shut down. <laughs> she used to scare the heck out of me. To pick me up places in a baby blue scooter when I was like going through puberty and insecure, honking on it. Jordan! Okay, this isn't just about spirituality, right? This is just part of there's different relationship mixes. Okay, like I'm building like a really like, I'm building like the spirit word paradigm. That doesn't really exist, but I, I'm trying to make a point. So, like, see through it to what I'm saying. Right? Part of submission to Jesus is that we are in relationship with people that are different than us. We learn to love people that are different than us, honor people that are different from us because it's part of what teaches us. It's what humbles us. It's what keeps us dependent. It's how Jesus disciples us. It's, it's what it looks like. Right? So we often think like, oh, submission to Jesus is how I can embody word and spirit. And we think it's all about my relationship with Jesus. It's not. It's about community too. Part of submitting to Jesus is submitting to one another out of fear of Christ. Right? There's weight on this. There's weight on this. We need each other if we're to bridge this silent divorce and become a church that's word and spirit. And then actually, you know, be, be a model of a church that's word and spirit because this nation's craving for that. Because we are living in a day and age where there's a huge divide between word and spirit. And there's, there's spirit churches and they get all their, their you know, commentation, commentary about it and there's the word churches and they're this and they have all that commentary and it's like we need to be rid of that. And this is how we're gonna model it. It's not just by becoming it within our house. It is how we relate to other ministries and other churches as well. It's how we speak about other churches and ministries. Right? Even if it's a church that slanders you for what you believe, submit to them out of fear for Christ. Still love them. Hear where they're coming from. Don't feel like you have to defend something because Jesus was never defensive. Right, he, the word and the spirit, they, they, like, it's, they, they'll prove themselves, right? But we, this, it's part of honoring, it's, and it's part of, it's part of our, our job, it's part of our, our duty as Christians. They will know we're Christians by our love when they see unity, right? So as far as this house, I hope that when we engage with any other ministry, it's from a heart of honor. It's from a heart that says, no, I, I'm gonna value what they have to say. I may completely disagree with it, there are so many ministries I completely disagree with, but it doesn't give me a right to, to say that, that what they have to say it means nothing, it has no value. We have to submit to one another out of the fear of Christ because we have something to learn from everyone. Right? Sons and daughters of God. And usually when people are really passionate about something, it's for a reason. 
And you may completely disagree with that reason, but it's still not a bad thing to figure out why. It's part of what we can't be afraid. There's so much fear that gets in the church sometimes. Like, no, we can't chat. No, we can have hard communication. Because the truth is true. And we will find the truth, and Jesus will lead us to the truth. So we don't need to be afraid if what we believe is challenged. Because Jesus is truth. Wisdom will be vindicated by its children. Amen. Amen. So I feel tonight that the Lord wants to do some, some ministry that may be unique. We've gone a little long, but I, I feel like this is, it's, it's what he wants to do. And uh, what I sense is that uh, he actually wants to do ministry um, in, in part in, in the community. We need each other and that there's some alignment that God wants to bring. And confession is a really beautiful action because um, we're confessing to God, obviously, but the presence of people makes it uncomfortable. You know what I'm talking about? There's an awkwardness when you confess to someone. That's why it says confess your sins to a brother and you'll be healed because it's awkward. You have to bring it to the light. I can confess to God and I don't really bring it to the light. You know what I'm talking about? So I feel like God wants to uh, actually have some space for public confession tonight. I'm going to call out a few things and, and allow you guys to stand. But before, I felt like the Lord uh, actually wanted me to, to confess um, before you. And that was, uh, he convicted me about a week and a half ago. And he, and he showed me that uh, out of the pain of slander that I've experienced, uh, I made a decision that I was going to be like search the scriptures to always be able to articulate, theologize, and, and ground you know, the, the activity of the spirit so that I could legitimize that we're not just some group of crazy people at River House. This is painful. Had a lot of painful criticism. And it, it can be very vulnerable. And uh, I just felt uh, the conviction of the Lord that uh, said, you have spoken times when you didn't need to speak and you were speaking to defend reputation, not because I was calling you to speak. And uh, he, I've been convicted that there's been times uh, I've said things that kind of almost to sound funny about like, is it, you know, the things of the spirit are different and outside of my paradigm. And I'll say things, I'll label it like, I know it's weird, I know it's out there, I know it's wacky to try to not sound so weird. And I've been convicted. And so I just want to confess before all of you that I have been afraid. I've been afraid of, of blowing up becoming all about the spirit and blowing up and that fear has been something that's caused me to use my mouth when I shouldn't use my mouth to try to overly justify that what we're doing is right instead of just trusting and letting God hold my reputation. So I repent before you all tonight. I wanna give space right now uh, for there's some of you in this room that in the same way uh, you have, uh, you've said things uh, about, you know, just the activity of the Holy Spirit that you now recognize is, like, I've, I've slain, I've quenched, I've grieved, even if it's in little ways. I've, I've made fun of how someone worships. I've, I've joked, I've teased, you know, something along those lines about the activity of the Holy Spirit on someone or how someone worships or how someone's different than me. And uh, if that's something that you just want to confess tonight and just repent, I'm just going to ask you to stand. Just honor, we clap and we honor you. Thank you. You can be seated. Um, some of you have gotten caught in like that kind of, you know, that slander game where people are, particularly with people that are uh, more of a, a word-based background and, and closed, maybe negative towards the things of the Holy Spirit, and you've said things about, you know, them or you know, just related in a way that you recognize was not honor and was not submission. And it's just been a overall, like, I've pushed that out, like, a, you know, how dare them type thing. Like, they're not even whatever. Just negative speech towards them, negative heart, and maybe even towards other churches. Uh, you've said words about other churches in this valley that uh, you wouldn't say in front of Jesus. And I just want to give you an opportunity to just confess and repent.
clap and honor you. Thank you. Neglected scripture in your life, and uh, you just you just neglected it. You have not made the scripture a priority. You have devalued it. You've tried to justify away. It's just something that man made, and you just found ways to get it off. And just want to give you the opportunity to just confess tonight. Lastly, uh, you know, you've you just you've been closed towards the activity of the Holy Spirit in your life. You've maybe even said things like, "You can give me any gift, just not that one." Um, you know, you just you just had like a that's nervous laughter. Uh, yeah, you just feel like there's been you've been you've had fear towards the Holy Spirit. Like I don't know if I can really trust you with my reputation which is so silly because it's who Jesus entrusted his reputation to. But you've been afraid to. And you just want to confess that before brothers and sisters tonight. I stand too. Yeah, amen. Um, I'm just, you know, if you need to leave and whatever, then you can leave silently, but I just feel like there's, God wants to move right now, and I just feel like he wants to release fresh grace upon us, and uh, I'm going to invite the, the worship team up, um, but I feel like there's two prophetic acts. There's, there's an activation that God wants to do tonight, and some of you, he wants to awaken a grace for the scriptures to just hunger for the scripture. And for some of you, there's a grace actually just in the things of the spirit of God and just his charismata. Uh, and uh, I, I, I'm gonna invite the prayer team forward right now. To, and they have uh, oil. Uh, for those of you that, like I feel like God actually wants to just, the Holy Spirit wants to come on some of you, particularly those of you that have maybe had trepidation, uh, but it just would in your heart. And uh and then, uh, and if that's you, I just, there's something, uh, it, Psalm 133 says how blessed it is when brothers dwell together in unity. It's like precious oil that flows down. And I feel like there's a unification in the spirit right now. It's like the, the oil of the spirit of God actually wants to just fill this room right now. This isn't some sort of emotional experience. This is, I believe, that the Spirit of God is going to move and transcend time and space and actually encounter us with fresh grace. And so um, I just feel like there's hunger in some of you right now. It's like, I, I want the oil of the Spirit. I want Him to just baptize me. I feel like some of you, you actually never had a baptism in the Holy Spirit. You've maybe had some kind of like visitations with Him before and maybe getting, but there's something that God actually, I just feel like, he, I just see Him just coming from heaven and He wants to just fill some of you. And some of you have a conviction in your heart right now for the word. And I just feel like it's actually, there's something about uh, a physical posture of like submitting to the word. And there's something that I just feel like even with scripture, and it may be somebody around you, but I feel like it's like uh, the picture I've been getting, it's just, I didn't want to say it because it makes me feel silly, is that it's almost like someone's supposed to pray over you and just put the scripture over you to just like God wash me and renew me in the scripture. It says in Colossians, it's like our minds will get renewed, the renewing of our minds through the truth of God, that God would actually come and, and, and it's something, I know it's different, but I just feel like this is how God, we're gonna enter in the spirit. So if you want to just a filling, a fresh filling of the spirit of God in your life, uh, I wanna invite you forward uh, right now. Uh, you can come and, and if you, if, and then I'm gonna anoint you with oil. And we're just gonna ask the spirit of God to fill you uh, if you are in a place where it's like you want to come under the authority of Scripture in your life, like, I, I don't even know how to do this, but maybe I, I, it can be yourself, but I just, I feel like you're supposed to posture yourself in a, in, a, in a posture of reverence and awe 
under the word of God right now. We can put the lights maybe down just a little bit. Uh, but I'm just gonna pray. As I pray, you're welcome to come forward. You're welcome to respond and submit yourself before the word of God. And I just ask right now, Lord, that there'll be a convergence in this moment of spirit and word that you are living in heaven right now and that heaven is coming to earth in this place and that you, spirit of God, you are the leader of the church. You are the gift of heaven from Jesus himself. We honor and receive you. I pray that you find unity in this house between word and spirit. I pray that you find a pleasing, a pleasing submitted bride right here, God, just a pleasing sacrifice offered before you. And we ask, Holy Spirit of God, word, that you come and you, the wind of heaven will just blow down upon this place, God. You who inspired the scriptures, that you will inspire them once again in our midst, God, and that you will just awaken us. You will awaken us, and we just look to you, Jesus, and we say, Jesus, Jesus, we wanna be like you. We wanna be people of the word. God, we, wanna, we want the word made flesh in our own lives, God, in our own hearts, God. And we look at you, Jesus, and we want your spirit. God, we wanna host your presence like you did, Lord Jesus. We, we invite the dove of heaven to come and rest upon our lives, to come and fill us, to come and do things through us that we don't even understand. We give you permission to override our senses. We give you permission, God, to do whatever you want, because Holy Spirit, you are God you are Lord we worship you Spirit of God who makes us and forms us into the image of Jesus and so we just thank you for what you're doing right now yeah, I see some of you just just open your hands some of you are sitting down just just open your hands and just ask him, just say, Spirit of God, Spirit of God, I submit before you. I submit before your leadership. Just come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Breathe upon hearts. Awaken charismata. God, just gift the charismata. Some of you just, just receive, just gift, God. Just activate the charismata tonight, God, the, the expressions of your spirit, the divine unction, God, prophetic utterance, God, spiritual language, prayer, prayer language, God, prophetic gifting, God, awaken gifts of healing, healing hands, God, signs and wonders, gifts of miracles. God, just awaken your giftings. We want all your giftings, Holy Spirit. We want to be in a gifted, anointed church. Lord, and breathe upon our minds fresh, God, a love of the scripture. God, open up our minds, God, to see, God, to, to humble ourselves before the word, God. Make the word come alive. Make the word, God, animate it, God. Captivate us, draw us into your story. Draw us into your story tonight, God. Make us a people, God, of purity, of humility, God, under the word, submitted. God, unify us. Unify us tonight as River House and unify us with the greater church in this valley. So Lord, we, just, we love your church, Jesus. We love your church. God, we lift up North End Collective, God. We love your church. We bless your church. God, we lift up Capital Christian Center, God. We love your church. We honor that church, God. We honor its legacy in this valley, God. We thank you for the Wild family and the legacy that they've paved in this valley, God, the things of the Spirit. God, we lift up, we lift up Harvest Church, God. We thank you. We thank you for the, the way, God, the seed that they sowed in Boise, God, and what they're doing in Meridian, Lord. I thank you for Eagle Nazarene, God, and the Nazarene Church, God, and the legacy of holiness that they've contended for for decades, God. We thank you, God. We thank you for your church. We thank you for the pursuit. We thank you for Hill City. We thank you for Vineyard, God. We thank you for Pastor Try and Pastor Trevor, God, and, and for the legacy of this house that we are benefiting from literally this moment. God, unify your church. Unify us under submission 
to the Lordship, God. Produce a, a humility that we submit ourselves to one another in the fear of Christ. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. You know, he's just doing deep ministry tonight. I'm sorry we went long, but I'm not. And uh, we just, you know, you can stay and press into the heart of God as long as you need to. We're just going to stay. Jordan will keep playing. You can just press into the heart of God. Thanks for listening to the River House podcast. For more information, visit riverhouseministries.com.